we have been in a series titled One Big Family, and this is our third week in dealing with the subject called Family Strong. Family Strong. Now, I got the idea of being strong from when we went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp and put that, yeah, there you go. So that was our theme, and that's the annual theme this year for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's called Strong, and they preached several uh, challenges to us about faith strong, fight strong, family strong, and I, it, just, it just really touched me, and I said, man, I, I want to bring that home to our church and put our own twist to it, and we've done that in these last few weeks, and so today is Family Strong Part 3, okay, so I want, I want to ask you to stand with me one more time, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, 10 through 18. I have 10 through 17 there, but, but I meant to add one more verse. 10 through 18, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, Paul says here to the Ephesians, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may, so, so that you can Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, I love this, done everything you can to stand, what's your next option? To stand firm. So in other words, when you stand, it's going to require some strength, and the wind's going to blow against you, and some things are going to happen, but you don't have any other option but to stand, but you're not alone. So it says here in verse 14, in verse 13, if you've done everything to stand, in verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Had to be a football reference in here. It's not a football helmet. It's a warrior's helmet. But take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So let's pray. Father, help us to stand firm and to be family strong. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Quick, quick, quick review. So in the last two weeks, we dealt with this subject. And we said this in, in the area of family strong. We said ten things. We said, number one, when we're, we're, we are family strong when we obey God's Word. And we were looking at Joshua chapter 1, when God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be careful to take 
the Word of God and to keep it in your heart. And let it be on your lips. So he said we are to obey God's Word. When we are family strong, we obey God's Word. When we are family strong, we speak God's Word. We study God's Word. We destroy fear and discouragement when we do those three things above. And then we fight together. We stand and we fight together. And then last week we said we are family strong when we care about us. The Bible says in Hebrews, let us not forsake the gathering of, our, of ourselves. Let us encourage one, one another as we see the day approaching. And 11 times it said in that passage of Scripture, us, our, we. So when we care about us, we are family strong when we hold each other accountable for how we live. We are family strong when we worship and serve together. That's why it's important to be together. And said so we encourage each other, and we are family strong when we understand the times. The Bible says that we're to be meeting together so much more as we see the day approaching. You know, and I'll just add one more comment about that. There's nothing wrong with the study of prophecy. As a matter of fact, it's part of the full gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 talks about some things that are going to be happening in the end days. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about what life will be like. People will be unholy, unloving, unthankful, disobedient to parents, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth in the last days. It also says that scoffers will rise up and mocking the idea that Christ is going to come back. It says that in the last days that false teachers will rise up and people will, 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 will um, uh, lift up their own teachers who will preach just what they want to hear because they have itching ears. And so prophecy is good, but let me just say this to you. If the study of prophecy does not lead you to be in church more and to serve more, you've missed it. You've missed it. Because the Bible says, not forsaking the gathering of yourselves, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 it says, verse 25, as you see the day approaching. Because some are in the habit of not being together, but you are to be together even more so as you see the day of Christ coming. So you understand what I'm saying there? So we're family strong when we understand the times. So those were the last two messages we dealt with. I only have four today, four points, okay? So I know you're resting easy, all right? We are family strong based on this passage that we just read. Number one, when our power comes from God. When our power comes from God, when we recognize where our power comes from. In verse 10 it says, so finally, be strong. It doesn't say in your own power and in your own might. It doesn't say be strong in your own wisdom, in your own intellect, in your own financial security. It doesn't say any of that. But it says, finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when you break down the word nothing, it's very simple. It says, no thing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said, when I am weak, that's when he is strong. You haven't found strength until you understand what it is to be weak. And when you're weak, 
you tap in to his strength. And you recognize that it's not you, but it's him. I've had people tell me time and time again over the years, and I've even said it myself. When I see somebody going through something horrific and they stay faithful to God, they're going through a horrible death, an untimely death, they're going through cancer treatments, they're going through um, you know, people abandoning them, just all kinds of horrific things in life that are difficult. And you look at them, and here's what you say, and I've said it before, and I'll look at them and I'll say something to, to this effect, and I'm like, man, there is no way I could ever go through that. Wow, you're an example of what you can go, th- what, what you can go through with God's help. And I realize that's wrong for me to say that. And I know what we say when we're saying that to other people. We're appreciating what we're seeing. And we're saying to them, my goodness, you're strong. But secret is, they're not strong in their own strength because they thought that of themselves at one time, just like you're thinking, no way I can go through that. But I'm telling you, you can because it's not your own strength. In your own strength, there's no way you can handle it. But listen, God doesn't give you dying strength on an undying day. He will give you what you need when you need it. And He will be your strength and your power. And so we become strong as a, as a family of believers. We become family strong when we recognize where our power comes from, when, when our power comes from God, when we do our fighting, not with our fist, not with our mouth, not on Facebook, not on Twitter, but we do our fighting on our knees. And we humble ourselves before God and we say, God, I'm a weak man, I'm a weak woman, I'm a, I'm a weak person, and God... I, I'm given to temptation. And God, with the right circumstances, you know, I I, I can lose my entire testimony. And God, without you and without your strength, man, I can sin and I can do some things to hurt a lot of people. But when we realize that, that we're capable of evil and we're capable of sin and we're capable of of not being strong, we're in prime position for God to be strong in us. And I'll just tell you, by by personal testimony, trust me when I say this, I've tried to be strong in my own power, and it doesn't last. And to be honest with you, it's it's a false foundation. And the moment the winds blow and the waves start crashing, it can crumble. But as I've grown as a Christian, I've learned that when I'm feeling weak and when the attack is coming and when the waves are beating and when the wind is blowing and when the the storm is howling, if I'll just trust Him, and tap into Him, into His strength, and to recognize that I can't do it by myself, but with Him all things are possible. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Tim Tebow's favorite verse in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to that verse. It's not I can do some things through Christ or just the things that I'm gifted at doing. No, that's not what it says. The Word of God says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome when the world is against me. I can overcome when temptation 
is knocking on my door. When I feel like quitting, and if I'll just trust Him and recognize that it's not my own power, but it's the power of God, now i got something. And when I have that, then I'm stronger, and thereby if I'm stronger, guess what? My family is stronger. Right? And as a result of that, if my personal family at home is stronger because I'm putting my faith in God and I'm finding my power in Him, then guess what happens to my faith community? My faith community gets stronger. I've watched you over the years. I've been here 23 years. And I've seen some of you go through grief and go through storms and go through trial and tribulation and testing and horrible circumstances in your life heartbreaking things that have just come at you and people some people are no longer here some people moved away some people are different church who are who are still our brothers and sisters who went through horrible things and yet they're still serving god and they haven't turned their back on him because they found out that they could be strong in him and he will carry them through. Right? So Pastor D-Rob and Sister Ashley make a decision to become the youth pastor and to come to this church. And they knew the decision that had to be made. And he talked about it the other night at Legacy Men where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. <laughs> this was... The son that his wife wasn't able to bear, wasn't able to have. And this was the son that the promise was going to come through. And he was to sacrifice his son. And as we know the story, as Abraham was coming to sacrifice his son, God provided a lamb and said, do your son no harm. And in the same way, the Robinsons had to leave their two boys behind. They couldn't take them here. They couldn't bring them here because of the legal process, because they were just foster parents and they had to turn them over to a different family and they felt that God had put it in their heart that they were going to adopt these boys and these boys were going to be theirs and it almost sounds like the priorities are wrong when you look at it on the surface well isn't your family supposed to be ahead of your job kind of looks that way and it looks like they're doing just the opposite but technically they put God first and God said you've got to be willing to give them up, to gain them. And, and God said, you've got to obey me and go here. And it was a hard, difficult decision. Nobody knows the extent of how difficult that was for them. And I don't even know, but they know. And they know how tough it was. But they did it. And they found their strength in Christ. And when they had to leave those boys, and they were crying their hearts out, and they were upset, and even angry to some extent, not understanding why this is happening to us, but they trusted God, and they found their strength in Him, and they trusted His power. And look at it several years later, what God's done. Those boys not only came back to them so they could be foster parents, but they were able to adopt them. And now they're able to adopt their other children, and they got one more left to go. They found their strength in Him. Our power comes from God. That's when we're family strong, when we recognize that. One other passage of Scripture that I wanted you to see, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. I love this passage of Scripture. So He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, 
not by might, nor by power, meaning man's power and man's ability, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's how we need to live. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. God's power. Number two, we are family strong when we stand our ground spiritually and faithfully. When we stand our ground spiritually and faithfully. So in verse 11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Verse 13, it says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, stand faithfully. We are family strong when we can take a stand for what's right and when we stand our ground. We stand our ground. Parents, can I just remind you and me? We are called not to be our children's friends, but their parents. And in the process, if you become if they become close friends with you, that's a bonus and that's wonderful. But you're a parent first. I'm a parent first. And I'm telling you, if you've never had to stand your ground before, just wait. Your kids aren't old enough yet. And if you really look closely, when they're little, you got a lot more ground to stand then than you do later. Because they're always wanting to do stuff they're not supposed to. And you have to say, no, you're not. You have to stand your ground. I remember when my kids were smaller, and I don't remember which one it was. I'm sure it wasn't Marcy. (laughs) But I remember when they were little, and I remember we were somewhere, and one of them was misbehaving. And I just, I just said it emphatically. And I said, listen, we're not in a position where I can tear you up. I think it was a wedding or something. And I couldn't just leave and take them to the car, take them out behind the woodshed and let them have it. But I said, when we get home, Mr. Pow Pow is coming off the refrigerator. That's the name of the paddle, Mr. Pow Pow. And you and Mr. Pow Pow are going to have some intense fellowship. You understand what I'm saying? No, Daddy, please, no, please, no. I said, my word is my bond. It's a promise. Man, the wedding went on, and we had a good time, ate good food. I was tired. My kids were behaving on the way home. And Penny, as we were getting out of the car, said, remember the promise you made? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I love my kids. Everything's nice and happy and ain't nobody crying. Your word is your bond. And I told whoever it was, go to your room. I'm going to fetch Mr. Pow Pow and wait for me. But and I said well you keep that up and it's going to be even more you're getting three licks if you say one more word it's going to be five man when I those little legs went to the room I was just like, I don't want to do it I don't want to do it I don't want to do it and I remember God saying in my heart you got to stand your ground I don't want to do it 
And I did. And Mr. Pow Pow met Mr. Behind. <laughs> or Miss Behind. <laughs> and we did what we had to do. We had to stand our ground, even in that circumstance. And then they become teenagers. Remember what happens when they become teenagers and what you tell them? You're grounded. No cell phone for two days or three days or a week. But then you want them to have the cell phone because it becomes convenient for you as a parent at some point. And you want to give in. But you got to stand your ground. But it's not just in circumstances like that. It's when you've taken the stand and it's a right stand. And everybody around you is saying, give in. And you have to stand. You have to stand. I was uh, 30, I was probably 30 or 31 years old. Been a pastor here about two years, almost three, almost three years. And I had three men that came into my office. And the three looked at me and said, we're asking for your resignation. And I said, all right. On what basis? They said, well, you just don't fit here. So I opened my Bible. I did like this. I closed my Bible. It was open on my desk. I closed it. And then I did this. And I said, okay. Show me in the Word of God where I have violated Scripture that requires me to be removed as pastor of this church that's what i need you to do for me and there, there are some places have i committed adultery have i not been a good witness have i misused the money i can't because i can't i don't sign checks and i get a salary i mean i don't i don't i don't have control of the money i don't count the money i don't touch the money uh can you show me in scripture where i violated scripture that would where I would fall in that category. Oh, no, no, you haven't violated anything in Scripture. We just don't think you're a good fit. Well, to be honest with you, they were making me really upset. And so my spirit was saying, resign. You, you, you deserve better than this. Give them what they want. Go find your new church. Be gone. I, that, and, and I was going through some things already. So my flesh was yelling, don't stand your ground. And God gave me what I needed at the moment. And I said, fellas, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and fast and see what God says. And if God reveals to me that I should no longer be the pastor of this church, I'll resign. But if he reveals to me that I shouldn't, I ain't going nowhere. And they looked at me and said, well, then we'll, we, we'll leave. I said, well, then let's let God speak. I fasted and prayed for three days. I drank only water. You said, did you get an answer from God? I got an answer from God before they walked out the office. But I fasted and prayed. And so I called each one of them. And here's what I said. I said, I fasted and prayed. I don't see anywhere that I violated Scripture. 
God brought me here. God will move me if He wants to move me. I'm standing my ground. And I'd love for you men to stand with me. It's up to you now. And they left. It was hard to do. One of the things that I was thinking in my mind was, if I resign, what am I going to tell my children? And what am I, I going to tell my wife? So I could tell my, my children that God said we needed to move. Well, then I'd be lying to them, right? So that was not an option. I could tell my children that the men asked me to leave, and, and so therefore I did what they asked me to do. And then I could declare myself a coward before my children and my family. Or I could do what God said and I can stand my ground. And let me tell you, it didn't get easier after that day. It got a lot harder for days and weeks and months to come. And I went to this passage of Scripture. And I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I've stood. I can do all I can do. And then I read the next verse. After you've done all to stand, stand firm. See, we're family strong. When we are faced with circumstances in our life that the average person would quit and run and tuck their tail and go and take the easy route. Because after all, that's what our flesh wants. We want the easy route. But we are called by God in the spiritual battle that we're in to take some stands and to have a backbone of spirituality and faithfulness. And I remember somebody asking me when people were leaving our church, what are you going to do? How are you going to replace them? And you know what my answer was? I don't know. But all I know is I'd have to stand. And tomorrow when I wake up, if God sees fit to wake me up tomorrow, then I'm going to stand. And next year, I'm going to stand. And when the attendance is low, I'm going to stand. And we don't have enough adults to operate our children's ministry, we're going to stand. And when we don't have enough faithful people to do certain things, we're going to stand. But guess what? Guess what? Even when times were low and, and, and the coffers were a little, little barren, we always had people willing to stand up at the right times. And it made us strong as a family. So we stand our ground spiritually and faithfully. That's when we're family strong. Don't tell somebody you have their back if you're not going to have it. And when the first circumstance comes around and you bail on them, I remember, wasn't that long ago, I had someone come into my office. They're still a faithful member here at this church. And they were upset with another member. And I actually told them, I said, you know what? I hear what you're saying, and I get it, but I disagree with you. And he was kind of stunned. I disagree with you. 
And he goes, but, but so-and-so and, and that person, and, and, and he was going on this one particular person. I said, I understand, and, and I feel what you're saying, and I see what you're, where you're coming from. I really do. But I said, here's why I can't go there. I said, because that person, I'm their pastor too. I'm not just yours. And I think they're right in this circumstance. I can't just take your side because you're easier to get along with. And you're doing as, everything right that you can do. And this person sometimes is a little ram that we have to sometimes, you know, whip back into shape and say, whoa, whoa, you're out here doing some stuff here. You're not, you're not going where you're supposed to go. But I said, in this circumstance, this person's right. And then he looked at me and said, hmm, you might be right. I said, I think so. And so, guess what, brother? I said, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand with you, and I'm going to stand with him. We need to stand. And when we've done all to stand, we need to keep standing spiritually and faithfully. Listen, temptation is everywhere. I hear this, and I've heard it for years. Oh, well, our kids, our teenagers are only doing what they do because of peer pressure. I don't know about you, but I have found that when I became an adult and, 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 and really didn't have any other supervision and only had to answer to God, I, I, I felt the temptations and the peer pressure was even worse. Because now I can go do what I want. And you got to stand. All right, I could stay on that all day. Number three, we are family strong when we recognize who the true, who is the true enemy behind our struggle. When we recognize who is the true enemy behind our struggle. Now I have verse 12 listed there, but if you look at verse 11, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Who is the head of the darkness of this world? Who is the prince of it, the Bible says? Satan. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Y'all, there is a spiritual dimension that we can't see with our physical eyes, but it is real. It is real. Satan is real. His minions are real. His demons are real. And he is working against you. I'm telling you, think about this. If you don't believe that, man, just come to church and experience God and have a great moment. And, and, and man, things are going well. And before you get home, you and your family are in a full-blown argument. Tell me Satan's not real. He's real. Tell me he's not real when on Saturday... Everything's been going good, and you and your family are getting together. And, and, and before the night ends, there's a big blow-up in the family, and something happens. And so, therefore, you wake up Sunday morning, and everybody's disgusted, and everybody's hurt, and everybody's mad, and nobody comes to church. That was Satan. Or how about this? Do you not have some of the most... Uh, challenging moments with your family on Sunday morning sometimes 
I'll never forget one guy. He and his wife got in an argument all the time. She took forever to get ready, and he was impatient. And so he would go sit in the car and honk the horn in the driveway. And she would come out frustrated. And she, she, you know, trying to put her makeup on, doing her thing. And, and, and finally one day she had enough. So he's in the car waiting, sipping on his coffee, honking the horn. Man, he's on it this time. She opens the door in her birthday suit and she walks right into the car. And she sits. And he goes, where's your clothes? And she goes, I'm not ready. Well, get in the house and put some clothes on. Well, quit honking the horn. They get to church, and, and, and they're still arguing by the time. Like she went inside and put her clothes on, and she comes to church. And they get there. First person they see when they get out of the car is the pastor. And they're arguing. Blah, 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 blah. They're going on. They close the door, and they get out of the car. And pass. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Oh, pastor, we're doing great. Well, you, you look nice today. Oh, I tell you what. And she's like, yes, I do. <laughs> you wouldn't want to see me earlier. But anyway. Um, there's an enemy that's working against us all the time all the time i'll tell you i remember this in my 30 plus years as being a pastor the biggest family issue i ever had with my family with my kids was on the night before easter We have sunrise service. I have to get up at 4. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I still couldn't sleep because of what had happened in our family that night. Tell me the enemy's not real. Oh, he's real. And we have to recognize who the enemy is and what he wants to do. He's going to go for your weak spot. I'm telling you, he's going to go after you. He's going to get you. And he's going to try. That's his way. That's the way he works. We recognize who is the true enemy behind our struggle. We have to quit looking as, at people as our enemies. Now, I understand when countries have to fight enemies of the state. There's a provision in Scripture given to that legal government to protect its citizenry. And you declare people as enemies get that but for us on a on a personal level for us as christians people are not our enemy it's the spirit behind them and the spirit that's motivating them and they don't even know it and it the struggle is real it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood man listen when somebody offends me when somebody's hateful to me when somebody's attacking me <clears throat> My first thought is, who in the world do they think they are? But my second thought is, it's not them. There's a bigger plan. The enemy is coming at me through them. And then I take a different approach with that person. Think about that. 
Your enemy is not the person you're dealing with. It's Satan and his minions and his demons and all of that that are behind it to destroy you, to take your joy away, to take your power away, to get your eyes off of Christ, to get you in a fighting mode, not a spiritual mode, but, a, but an angry, fighting, frustrated spirit. So I end this, and it's no secret, it's embedded all throughout what we read. Because every time I read a verse, it always talks about it. So the fourth thing we, we, we are to do, we are family strong when we dress ourselves in God's full body armor. In God's full body armor. I love this time of year. People put uniforms on. Some put uniforms to go to school. Some put uniforms when they're in a sport on they put their gear some people put uniforms on when they go hunting some people put uniforms on when they go fishing and some people are confused about when they're fishing and when they're preaching because some people wear fishing shirts while they're preaching but anyway uh, but i love this time of year when when you got all of that one of the things that i love about about college football and about all football is the pageantry and the colors and and each you know, the team colors and all of that. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I just, I just take it all in. They're dressed a certain way. Well, we spiritually, we must dress ourselves in God's body armor. Verse 11, it says here, put on the full armor of God. And in verses 14 through 17, you know, it's all there. But look what it says, stand firm then. And then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist now the thing you have to understand i don't have time to develop it this morning but we're talking about an ancient warrior and how this warrior was to be dressed with your your feet shod with the truth you know it was almost like like snake leggings that we have today you know now we have snake boots but there was a time where people wore snake leggings you would wear a regular boot and then you would put these plastic things Right, right up below your knees or just covering your knees. And, and that's, that's kind of what it was like for those soldiers back in that day, that kind of armor. They would put all these things on. He says here, um, truth buckled around your waist. It would tighten everything up with the breastplate uh, of righteousness in place. I mean, to guard all the vitals. You had this breastplate that would be on you. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith was a full-body shield. It's not just this little rinky-dink shield that you would do all of this with. It was a shield that when these arrows that were, were dipped in whatever they dipped them in, tar or what have you, and, and lit on fire... And, and they were slung out at the enemy, and they were coming at you, and they'd rain down on you. They would constantly, these armies would throw these, uh, these arrows with their bows, and I mean, just they're coming from everywhere. And what you would do is you would take this shield, and it would cover your entire body as these things were raining down on you. And that's, that's the imagery we have here of a warrior. And the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice that these are spiritual weapons. 
these are spiritual weapons. The helmet of salvation. When I got saved, the breastplate of righteousness. I need to be living clean and living right. The enemy comes at me and he accuses me. He's accusing me of something good that I'm doing. The Bible says if someone's going to accuse you, let them accuse you of the good that you do. Don't let them accuse you of the evil that you're doing. Let them accuse you of the good. The sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. We have some amazing weapons, some amazing armor at our disposal. Heck, even today now, you know, there's a company called Under Armour. And it's to provide the athlete with the padded armor that they need. You know, the dry-fitted shirts and, and, and all of these things that they need to perform at the level that they can perform, you know, pull sweat off their bodies, and on and on and on. I mean, you got this under armor. Well, we as Christians have to have the same kind of armor, but we need to have the full armor of God. You say, how do I do that? You do it by living right, opening, opening up God's Word, studying His Word, applying it to your life. Stand firm. Buckle it all up with truth. Look, I'm not the most gifted person in a lot of areas. Don't say amen, but anyway. Uh, let me tell you what, though. If I stand on the truth of God's Word, I'm pretty confident. Not cocky, but confident. Because I know I'm standing for righteousness' sake. Look, I know the days that we're living in. I mean, now, with social media and the mainstream media and all of that, now, if you're a Christian pastor and you say that marriage should be between one man and one woman, you're some kind of hater. Well, this is the historic gospel. It's what we've always believed. It's what we've always preached. And listen, it doesn't scare me to say the truth because I'm standing on the truth of God's Word. I know it's true. It doesn't matter how the culture changes. People say, well, Pastor, you know, what about same-sex marriage and, you know, love wins? Yeah, love wins. It's, it's, he's called Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. And, he, and the Word of God tells us how we're to live. Uh, homosexuality and lesbianism is wrong, and it's sinful. And I had a teenager last year challenge me after church. I never thought I would live to see the day that someone would challenge a Christian pastor on that belief system. Do you really believe that? And I was very sweet and very kind. I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I believe what I just said. Because I stand on the word. Well, my God loves everybody. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Our God loves everybody. But if homosexuality is not sin, there is no sexual sin. But it's no different than adultery or premarital sex. It's all sin. And it's all wrong. And I'm not afraid to stand on the truth. And if I were a Christian pastor in, in England, in Great Britain, I would be in prison today. Because if you preach those things, it's against the law. 
and I would go to jail because I'm going to stand. I'm going to put the full armor of God on. And when I know I'm standing on the truth of God's Word, it doesn't matter. What can they do? You say, well, Pastor, how did that end for you? They took your life. (laughs) Okay, so you threatened me with eternal life? You threatened me with the the gift to go to heaven? Uh Uh-uh. So what we need to do every day before we go out those doors, we need to dress ourselves in the full armor of God. God's body armor. God's spiritual armor to protect our hearts. You know, the Bible says to guard your heart. And the Bible also says to give your heart. So what gives? What should we do? Should we give it or should we guard it? Well, it's it's, it's simple. You give it where God opens the doors, but you guard it. The Bible says do not cast your pearls before swine. Some of you who get into arguments on Facebook, politically, spiritually and all that, really? You, you think you're going to win anybody? You might. I'm not saying you, 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 you can't, but really? Is it really worth all that? And I'm not, I'm not calling people pigs, but what I'm saying is, is you're, they're not ready for some of that truth. It's just like, and I just took a stand about something and I just said it, but it's just like, if I knew somebody, which I know, a lot of people, homosexual, lesbian, I'm not going to them. You're a heathen, you're this or that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to them and I'm going to try to establish a relationship with them and I'm going to try to love them. But when we talk about the truth, in love, I'm going to speak the truth. Here's what the Word of God says. And I'm going to tell them, I was no different than you, even though, you know, I was doing this before I got saved. I was just as lost as anybody else. God loves you just like He loved me. And it's not right to live a certain way. They're, they're either, or, they're, either there are absolutes or they're not. Correct? Some things are right and some things are wrong. Very simple. So, Stand and put the armor on. Nobody's going to put it on for you. You have to care enough. You have to care enough about your vitals to protect it. Right? We've had several law enforcement in our church. We have some who are retired. We have, I know, one or two active right now. And... I used to tell them years ago, I don't, I don't say it anymore because you, don't, you almost don't ever see it, but you, years ago you'd have some guys that would wear their um, um, bulletproof vest. And it was, when they first came out, right, Brother Robert, they were, they, they were pretty heavy and bulky and hot, and, and they still are hot, you know, but, but as they made them a little lighter and better, most officers wear them. I, I think in most places it's probably, it's required, right? So at one point it wasn't. And so I would, I would touch them. I would tell them, if I ever touch you and you're in uniform and you don't have that vest on, I'm going to let you have it. Because you've got to protect your vitals. They wear these vests to protect their vitals. Look at, look at an American soldier. A helmet made of Kevlar. The vest, everything that they, that they can to be a warrior. And just like an American soldier should not walk out in the middle of the street 
in a Taliban-infested area in Afghanistan without the proper equipment and without the proper armor in the same way you should never leave your house without the proper armor spiritually. If not, your vitals are going to get nicked. They're going to get shot. They're going to get, they're going to, it's coming. And sometimes you use the shield. Sometimes it's the sword of the Spirit. You speak truth to that circumstance and situation. Sometimes you just have to gird yourself up. Sometimes you need to get your feet moving. Right? You say, Pastor, when are some times you shouldn't stand? Can I tell you this? And I'm almost done right here. I promise you, I'm going to pick up my notes. There you go. So here's where you shouldn't stand. There are times that the Bible says you're to fight. There are times that the Bible says that you deal with things by faith. And there are times that the Bible teaches us that we're to flee some things. Some things you stand and you fight. Some things by faith you stand and you trust God, no matter what the odds look like. And there are some things, because you have the armor on on your feet and on your legs, that your legs are made and your feet are given to you, not to stay put, but to run. Sexual temptation, you don't stay and fight it. You take off. Joseph in the Old Testament did it. Remember? He took off. He fled. And he ran. That's all part of the armor. You've got to put it on every day. You've got to know what to run from. You've got to know what to fight for. You can't fight on every hill. It's not worth dying for. Not every hill is worth dying for. There's some things, just forget it. Listen, you know you don't have to confront every idiot. You really don't. You don't have to argue against everybody's position. You don't. You've got to know what hill to fight for and what, where to die at and what to stand on. You've got to choose your battles, and you got, but you've got to have that armor on. And you have to put it on. Just like I'm not going to your house every morning and getting you dressed. We ain't going there. Okay? Your pastor doesn't go put on the armor for you every day. You put it on. I have to put it on. The armor of God. You put your armor on every day. And then you stand. And you'll find out as you're standing, you got a lot of other brothers and sisters doing the same thing with you. So, Pastor Youssef, remember we prayed for him a few years ago? Not the current pastor who's in Turkey, but Pastor Youssef who was under a death penalty for being a pastor in Iran. And he was hours away from being put to death. And the sentence was commuted, and he was allowed to go back to his family. They've rearrested him again this week. They've put him in the worst prison in Iran. They're beating him half to death right now. All he's got to do is deny his faith and acknowledge that Allah is God. And he chose not to do it. And he stood his ground. 
And the only thing that's going to get him through it is the armor of God that he's been putting on every day. Well, it's the same for you and me. We're going out there in a world that wants to kill us. We put on the armor of God, and then we can be strong, family strong. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that through my rambling, your spirit would speak to our hearts. And that the word of God, the truth of God's word, would prevail in us. I'm telling you, God, I feel something these last three or four weeks moving in our midst. There's freedom in our worship. You are wanting to do some amazing things. But when you start moving, we know that the enemy is trying to create havoc and he schemes. May we become family strong, both in our personal families and in our church families, by putting on the whole armor of God. By doing these things we've talked about today. And by living for you with everything that we have. Recognizing who the true enemy is. Recognizing where our power comes from. And standing in truth and for truth. As we get ready to go to school tomorrow, we got teachers in here. We have bus drivers in here. We have parents in here. We have students in here. We have administrators. We have coaches. We have people that are involved, maybe a crossing guard or two. Whatever it may be, wherever you are serving, the enemy's coming after us. Teenagers, you've had a great summer. He's coming at you. Or you're going to stand. So during this invitation, I want to invite all of us who are in some way, some form, some fashion involved in the education system, be it private school, public school, whatever it may be, to come and lay our heart before this altar and before God and put on the whole armor of God that you and I would not be used of Satan, that you and I would know who the enemy is and where he's coming from. And that we would be ready. We'd arm ourselves with the armor of God, the full spiritual body protection that he gives us. I'm going to let God lead you. You're a teacher, you need to be down here. When everybody gets down here, I'll say a prayer publicly with all of us. You serve somewhere, you need to be in here. You got a kid going to school, we, you need to pray over that child. I don't care if that child is a senior and they think they're a grown adult. They're still living in your house, eating your food. They ain't an adult yet. Burning up your minutes on your phone. Burning your gas, your car with the ridiculous insurance you pay. You get knucklehead and sister knucklehead, and you bring them down here, and you say, Mom and Daddy's going to pray for you. And I don't mean to call them knuckleheads. Yeah, I do. But anyway, they're awesome people. They need our guidance as well, and they need 
our protection and they need us to pray over them. Nothing more, nothing, there's nothing more special than a parent praying over their children. So as God leads us, in Jesus' name we pray. You do what He says. Amen.